What's going on, party people? I am Edgar Otraves, and welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. Now, today on the show, Cousin Primo and now my cousin Dan and I discuss the topic of dreams. And now, what I mean by dreams are, you know, the things we aspire to, the things we wanted to be when we grew up. And we also discuss about what we want to do now. If you're new to the podcast, and you want to find out more, make sure you head on over to our website, thefloralpodcast.com. There you will find a complete catalog of all our episodes and different playlists for different subjects that we handle on the podcast, like movie reviews and combat sports. So Cousin Primo and I, we jumped in a car and went and visited our good friend, not my cousin Dan, and just chewed the fat. It was a great time, man, and I can't wait to do it again. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Flow Road Podcast. This is Edgar Otra Vez. Otra Vez. Otra vez. <laughs> and uh, today on the show, I have my co-host. It was, it was, I was going to say Cousin Primo, but you point over there, you're confusing me. Well, cousin, <laughs> we're, we're, we're guests here, so it's just, uh, you know. <laughs> and of course, I have not my cousin Dan. What's up, my cousin, not my cousin Dan? What's Don going Carano's on? Don Cabrones. What's up, brother? Now, so we're uh, in our, as you put it, the North Studio. Yeah. <laughs> Floral Studios North. North, two. yes. So uh, we came out to Milwaukee to visit, not my cousin Dan. We got some birria tacos. <laughs> we, we, we tasted some of the, some of the, yeah, they, we the each, Mexican food out here. We each ate about a gallon of birria. <laughs> Between me and Primo, gallon of birria ramen. And we're paying for it now. Yeah, yeah. This isn't podcast time, it's nap time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hours like, of us snoring, watch. <laughs> so if I'm blowing up the sound here, it's all my fault. I'm trying to figure it out here. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we're growing. We're growing. It, we're it is what it is. It is what it is. But uh, anyway, the subject of conversation for today will be what we wanted to do when we grew up and what we want to do, what our dreams are now. So uh, let's go around the table and talk a little uh, bit about those dreams that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much that's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and what we're hoping, what we're hoping for the future let's now. Let's talk about how we're broken, broken people. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what if we should have been a therapist, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we're each other's therapists now, right? At this point, I think so, yeah. yeah. It's called venting. Venting. <laughs> venting. Yeah. Venting. Yeah. So, Primo, why don't you start, man? What were you? Uh, what did you want to do when you were young? There are so many things I wanted to be, and none of it went through. Okay. Um, like, like what? Well, honestly, honestly, I always wanted to be in the military. Oh, you want oh, to be really? in the military? Yes, I wanted to be in the military. I was so intrigued how the military was like disciplined and how how well coordinated they were mm. which is the complete opposite of what i am now mm. but you know it was it was just maybe because i was introduced to it as an, at an early age like watching cartoons i was so sure. fascinated with like gi joe oh, hey, we were just listening to the gi joe theme song yeah, yeah we drove around we gonna, drove around we're gonna, <laughs> for, there's gonna be a link in the bio for tito's top 30 <laughs> <laughs> Should put your you should put your playlist on the on the website. Please, <laughs> I think we'll we'll get more cancellations if anything. Shout out to Chucho's Red Tacos, by the way. Oh, oh yes. yes, yes. 
That was some good birria. That's that's where we went, and uh, yeah, that that the that other was, place we went huh? to what was that's that? Guana, the Guanajuato. So Guanajuato we was the first Guanajuato. one. Yeah, we yeah. we had double lunch today. <laughs> we, had, we had second lunch. Yes, which is oh. something I always wanted when I was a kid. <laughs> was double lunch. <laughs> so we made a dream come true. But, but uh, we went and got some al pastor at Guanajuato's, and yeah. then we went and got some birria at Chucho's. <laughs> Yeah, yes, do I'm, I'm, I hope I'm representing Milwaukee proudly? Yes, uh, dude, are. I think I, I think you did a good job, man. Like, uh, I mean, not to not to veer off topic here, but yeah, like uh, I thought Chuchos was awesome, man. I thought Chuchos was great. Uh, the the first place wasn't bad, but I think Chuchos was awesome. Yeah. So like, um, well, they're both they're both good in their own way. First of all, each one each restaurant was good in their own way. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. one was good for birria, the other one was good for pastor. Mm. Yeah, and both were. Whew, I'll be regretting it later, but I have, <laughs> I have no regrets. Okay, yeah. dude, like that ramen you had. Oh my god! That, I was yeah. watching you guys. I was just like, damn, I think I should have gotten the ramen. But I was pretty happy with the tacos I got. I thought yeah. the tacos I had was awesome. They yeah. were really great. They were really good really stuff. Good. So I, I derailed us doing my little it's shout right. out to Chuchos. It's always so, no, it's, it's all good. Tacos. It's all good. Yeah, you, <laughs> so you wanted the tacos. <laughs> To be in the military because well, GI wanted Joe. Be, and, I wanted to be something either in the military or I always wanted to join the police force. Oh, okay. Okay. And the thing was is that I always respected the police, even though they always give us a hard time around the neighborhood. Yeah. But to me, it was like a sense of order. Yeah. You know, I always wanted to be somebody with rank. Okay. Mm. You know, when the opportunity came in high school, you know, I wasn't given a choice when I went to high school about going to ROTC. It's, mm-hmm. You know, first of all, I, <laughs> I got kicked out of one high school. Okay. And then I ended up going to a public high school. Oh, you did go, you were in ROTC. I remember yeah, that. I did, I did my RO for three years. Nice. After, after the first year, I fell in love with it. Mm. I said, you know what? I like RO, so I'm going to stick with it. So I did the four year. I did the three years. And then when I graduated high school, my rank was a uh, master sergeant. Okay. Okay. And then, they were telling me, oh, I should go to the military, but really, I had, mm-hmm. a, child, I had a kid, and my responsibility was her, if anything. Sure. Mm. You know? Yeah, because you, uh, you're you saying that because of your daughter that you had yeah. at a young age. I had a daughter at a young age, and you know, that I needed to give her that support that she Sure. Needed. So from there, the only, you know, going to the police academy was like, I was fended off because they said, oh, you have to have a certain amount of college years in order to, oh, to really? join the military, to join mm. the police. I didn't know that. Me neither. But they were, they pretty much told me that I at least needed two years of something. And I totally forgot what it was. So I was like, ah, there's no chance of me being a cop. So the next best thing was to do security. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and security, I did that for like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't. I, I couldn't take it anymore. I was done with it. I couldn't do it no more. Yeah, like, um, yeah. There, there isn't a, a. There is a college requirement for, for at least back when we were mm-hmm. young enough to go into the police academy. There was a two-year requirement of uh, college education. Huh. So, like an associate's degree. An associate's degree yes. in criminal justice. So it, it can't just be your, your prereqs. It's also got to be some kind of two years of law, like focus. Yeah, yeah. some kind of focus. Mm-hmm. So you probably just probably some psychology, whatnot. Yeah, so that was my dream. Mm. It was either to be in the military 
or be a police officer. And then from there, none of it went through. None of it, yeah. <laughs> none, none of it. Yeah. But get this, okay? Um, when I was in grammar school, we went to to, pub, to that uh, Catholic, high, the Catholic school. Mm-hmm. They did a career day. So they made you fill out these questionnaires. And from there, you were able to... They were supposed to, they were able to assess what type of career yeah. you, you were doing. Like, and, here's here's what would fit you. Right. Or exactly. here's where you fit. And it's never what you expect. Well, right? in my case it was. Oh. Okay. A janitor. So, you janitor? You wanted to be a janitor? No, that's, that's what, what the career they, they had put me oh, to. Oh, a bunch of assholes. Yeah. But Dude. look yeah. where I'm at now. Not not nothing against janitors, right? Like there's nothing it's not like mm-hmm. like it's a bad job or something. But I can imagine being like 14, 15 years old and getting told like, here's your life plan. Mm-hmm. It would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 And look where I'm at now. Garbage man. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Garbage man make good money. Well, sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm living a real good life doing, doing this. Well, yeah, right? it's a rough job though, man. It's weren't a rough you, job. Weren't yeah. you outside? Yeah, just yesterday below zero. <laughs> then I sent you the, the the picture of the newest GI Joe member, Arctic yeah. Snake Eyes. Dude, this this dude, this dude, like he sent me a picture of himself, like a selfie. Yeah. There's no flesh on the outside. You nothing can't, exposed. Nothing, nothing exposed. You got nothing. like the, yeah. the, the those Arctic glasses where it's just like slits. That's a, well, he yeah. doesn't have that exactly. He's got like the ski glasses. I got ski glasses. Ah, nice. Yep. Yeah, nice. That shit cracked me up. He sent it to me, and I was like, "Oh damn, look at this dude. He's outside." I'm like, "Man." Oh, but yet I'm I made fun of because of all the wear. I said, "But yet, hey, buddy, I am <laughs> completely yeah. warm." Yeah, you know, right? And you guys are crying. Oh, it's yeah. too cold, and I'm like, mm-hmm, "Okay." Yeah, I'm just. Fine. I'm doing my job. Let me hell alone. Right. Well, dude, like I was shoveling. I think I told you I was shoveling the the, the snow when it was zero outside, like a couple weeks ago. And I think I almost lost a finger, man. Like, it got <laughs> yeah. so cold. And I was just like, I can't feel my finger. And it's not like like it fell asleep. No, like, it goes numb. It goes yeah. numb. It goes numb, and then it, they, you, they tell you, hey, you like for me, yeah, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You're not cold? No. Yeah. Like, what do you got? 17 <laughs> layers of whatever. What do you got? Literally everything. Yeah. I am. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing right now. <laughs> right now. Everything you see. Yeah, everything is, in the closet. Yep, is everything on that's right in now. that locker, I'm wearing it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I mean, hey, it's like, hey, it pays the well, bills. It, dude, it, yeah. It, 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 I, I never understand that because, like, we're all from Chicago. Mm. And, like, I live in Milwaukee now. Like, we know what cold is like. Yeah. How, how do you people not have clothes? Yeah. You know? Like, what? Don't. Put on the right clothes and you will be fine. <laughs> yeah. It's, we've all lived through it before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the same thing I tell the guys at work. They're like complaining that it's cold. And I say, that's your own fault. Yeah. That's your own freaking fault. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how it is out there. I, I yeah. don't want to be cold. Yeah. Take five seconds. Look at your phone in the morning before you leave the house. <laughs> Dress accordingly. No, I actually got a plan for that. Every, every October... I buy everything I need for the winter. Yeah. In advance. Like, I need hats. I need gloves. I need socks. Whatever. 
And then I come to work, I'm toasty, and they're like, oh, I don't know how can you deal with it. I'm like, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a stupid moment where uh, it was right around Thanksgiving. So uh, the day before Thanksgiving, I don't know if you remember, but like we had a like vicious cold snap before yeah. Thanksgiving. It got real cold. And then the day, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, it was like 50 degrees, at least here. It was 50 degrees and I had already put the motorcycle away. I was like, okay, we're, we're done with this. And then it was 50 degrees outside. I'm like, I'm getting another ride in. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, but I, I, and you know, 40, 50 degrees is still pretty chilly on a motorcycle. Right. Yeah. You that's know? cold, man. It's cold for a motorcycle. So, so like I bundled up and I, like I dressed warm and I, I, it was great. Like I put on all the layers and I was dressed appropriately I'm riding around. It was a beautiful day. It was sunny. And then I got a flat tire. Oh, yeah. You told and, me that. I remember and I was that like, shit. I was like, I went out specifically. I'm like, this is going to be, it's, it's, it's nice. I got to take advantage of it. This is probably going to be the last ride. And then I got a flat tire. And since I have a ridiculous motorcycle that's built in India, like <laughs> that I, took, I, I had it towed back to the place that i bought it they didn't have a replacement tire and they didn't have a replacement tube what and they were like it was ridiculous it was absolutely a joke but like they, they were like we we have to order it from india i was like no no i will find i'll find it if you can't find it i'll find it so i found tires and an inner tube because they're old-fashioned tube tires they're not tubeless anyway not the point the point is that oh it's a beautiful day I'm going to go take my last ride for the season. No, because a week and a half later, I was riding that bike home and where the dealership was like 18 miles from here. Mm. I was riding that bike home and it was 31 degrees outside. And like, I, I have good riding gear, but I don't have like super cold weather riding gear. Yeah. And like, dude, the wind chill, like at speed. Mm. Yeah. 31 degrees at speed is torture. Like that. It's like it's cutting. It was, it, well, it, yeah. And it was, there, there was not, like, I bundled up. So, like, I was like the Michelin man <laughs> riding that bike home. But, it, mm. like, there's just not enough. It, it, well, you have, you have a dope bike. But your your girl has an awesome bike. Dude. Oh yeah, that bike is beautiful. What bike is that? It by the way. Well, they're they're nothing special. They're Royal Enfields, mm. so they're 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 made in India. They're cheap. Like, well, I don't want to say cheap because they're actually pretty well made. Mm-hmm. Inexpensive. How about that? I'll say they're inexpensive. Inexpensive is a good word. Yeah. But there's a reason behind that. Like I, I have owned big big bikes in the past, and the last one I owned. It was like, I, it, it makes you tired riding a bike that weighs like 700 pounds itself. Mm-hmm. And then you start like throwing luggage and stuff on there. Like that, it, it's tiring at, at a certain point, especially at low speeds. Cause like you're fighting that weight all the time. And the, and, and anyway, like I, after my last bike, I was like, I want something small. So that's why we got these bikes. So I have a Himalayan, she has an interceptor. They're great bikes. I, I mean, they're not fast. That's, that's just not the kind of bikes they are. Mm-hmm. But they're super fun to ride. Super fun. And yes, the Interceptor is a very good looking bike. It is. It looks like it's like straight out of the 1960s. It's 
George. So speaking about flat tires and stuff, have you seen? Have you guys seen the like the new technology they're going to be using for tires? It's the, the ones where they kind of look like a honeycomb. Yeah, yeah. It's all oh, yeah. like metal on the inside or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's uh, just a rubber cover. Yeah, around, well, but they, right. they also make tires like that. They already make tires for that for like heavy equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for like uh, for like loaders bulldozers and, and loaders stuff like and that, stuff. Yeah. They have. I guess they, uh, that's the technology they use for like Land Rovers and uh, or not. What do they call it? The the rovers in in space. Like the Mars rover. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So was, and and so like you're never gonna get a flat tire again once those things. I would love that shit. I don't know that that's gonna happen for motorcycles because motorcycle tires are different because motorcycles lean over, huh. so you use the side of the tire to drive or to, to, well, to, to drive, turn yeah. on, on, in the turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't do that with a car. Huh. So you don't need as much. You don't need. So like I don't know how you would make a tire like that for a motorcycle. Well, have you seen it? Like you said, it's like a honeycomb. It's all wire. Yeah. It's all wire. all rubber sometimes too. Like it's like mm-hmm. a rubber matrix. Yeah, right. That they use in there. Well, the ones I've seen is like I forgot what kind of metal they made. Uh, they so have. It's a type of metal epoxy, supposedly. I don't know what it is. It's it, it's bendable, so it's supposed to maintain mm-hmm. the weight of the vehicle. Yeah, that's so, crazy. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's some top notch tech. But the thing but, is, is like they they already used it on some of the military vehicles. Yeah. So that's it's nuts. It's, it is nuts. I feel like we're sitting here talking ooh ah over tires. tires that can't go flat, and it's like 2023, and like shouldn't we have like hover cars? <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love a hover car. Yeah, a drone a new car. Way to, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Drone repulsor car. craft. Yeah, dude, you know how awesome it would be to go over mediums with those. Sure. Yeah, no, saw the fun. craziest thing this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> saw the craziest thing. Some guy driving down the wrong <laughs> the, the wrong way on an exit ramp, and he just plowed right over just right over the median to get in the in the correct lane it was amazing it was, it was a dope green bronco i it saw was it a, I, too bad it's not green yeah. <laughs> it, it is green no it's not what, what color is it's it it's blue that's not blue bro yeah, it's considered sky blue i thought it was blue Thank you thought you. it was blue what the fuck is wrong with my eyes yeah, a know. lot of things <laughs> i didn't want to say it but okay. <laughs> Is it is it because they're cross-eyed? I don't know. Just, yeah, I, I, I was gonna say it was weird, but I totally saw that Bronco at the same place we got Birria. <laughs> it followed us. That's it followed us all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not uh, once, but twice. There's, there's one ballsy fucking driver. I gotta That's say. That's right, man. <laughs> drove, don't you forget it. Drove just like a policeman. There you go. I have no law. I am the law. <laughs> so, Primo, you wanted to be in the military or you wanted to go into the police? Yes. What about you? So, um, Edgar. I, I wanted to be a lot of stupid things. Yeah. And, yeah. like, uh, the, for, the, for me, like, the list was just like. You wanted yeah. to be a Ninja Turtle. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, like, and. I mean, aside from like, oh yeah, you know, I wanted to be like all the all the all the usual list of things like lawyer, cop, doctor, like yeah, yeah. you know, some of those things were attractive, fireman, you know. But I at one point I broke off that list, you know, because you get a little older and, and you figure, oh, you know, I, I want to be these things, right? So cop was one of them too. Cop was one of them, but the other thing I wanted to be was um, I wanted to be a, a professional kickboxer. Right. Like I really wanted to be a professional kickboxer. And then I I said, well, what am I going to do after kickboxing? Now, hold on. Yeah. What was it 
like what was the inspiration behind that? What made you wake up one day, little Edgar, 12 years old, or however old you were, and, and you know, one day you're sitting there thinking, oh, I could be anything. I could be a lawyer. I could be a doctor. And then one day you woke up and said, oh, my God, professional kickboxer. That's professional it. kickboxer. What was it? What You can blame Van Damme for that. Blood John, sport. John claude Van Damme. <laughs> Yeah, it was the inspiration. Uh, I, I, I think <laughs> all of us at one point in our lives wanted to be a kickboxer yeah. because of that. Was it was it Bloodsport? It was Bloodsport and Kickboxer, both okay. those movies. I was a which huge, are like the same movie they're ultimately. The same, well, kind of because one one he's in a tournament. It, it's the movie what, uh, what yeah, into okay, the dragon. So one, one he's in the Kumite. Yeah. yeah, Frank Dukes is in the Kumite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then and and then uh, Kickboxer, he's like getting vengeance right right so it's like yeah is that vengeance porn type stuff yeah for his brother yeah for his brother and so like you know being a kid and and and, you know being in a rough neighborhood and having the experiences that i had you know like i really wanted to be the tough guy kickboxer Mm. and nobody would muss with that guy and he'll get you know he'll he'll right the wrongs all that stuff right but there's all that nonsense (laughs) right so i wanted i said to myself well what do i do once my kickboxing career is over and this is me, like, at 15. I haven't taken a kickboxing <laughs> class yet. All right? At that point, I was still wrestling in high school and stuff. Right. But I was like, I had eyes fixed on kickboxing, right? Mm-hmm. So then um, kickboxing career, I said, well, after kickboxing, I'm going to become a B-movie action star like Don the Dragon Wilson. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Michael what Perret a, over what, here. what a great name drop. Don the Dragon Wilson. Don the Dragon, Dragon Wilson. Wilson. Back from the 80s, 90s, when he used to make those B-movies straight to video. Like every week he came out with a movie. Reminds me, tonight in Milwaukee at the Oriental Theater, I have already bought my tickets. Oh, yeah? I have already bought my tickets. I'm going to go see Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. The Last Dragon. The yeah. Last Dragon. Dude, that's such a dope movie. We've talked about that pa- pa- that movie on the yeah. podcast before. M- I, multiple I, times. I, I, keep, I keep feeling that we should do a part two about that. You know, yeah. There's so much that needs to be said. Still. I don't know what else we can say about that movie. I don't, we, went, we went deep. We yeah. went deep yeah. on that podcast. And like emotional. <laughs> like we, we got emotional about this stupid movie. <laughs> But I'm going to go see it in the... I've never seen it in the theater. Dude, I want... Because I, I only was, ever saw it on the TV. How long is it going to be here in, the, in Milwaukee, you think? It's just tonight, I think. Fuck, it's, what the fuck? It, well, I'll, I'll look it up, but yeah. I think it's for... It might be longer because it's uh-huh. for Black History Month. Oh. oh but I think right, they're doing sure a different is. movie every weekend. Okay. So it's not, it's call, not because... Call, call me when I got uh, shaft in Africa, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, like, so that was, that was one set of dreams. Uh, what was after? After that, I wanted to be an animator and then a filmmaker because, um, uh, yeah, I got to a point where, like, somebody, you know, pulled me aside and was like, you know, do you really want to do this kickboxing thing? Like, you can, you can be more than this, you know? And so, so, like, you should go to school. Where did the, like, drawing, the art come from? That was always there from my whole life. Like it just was always there. It was always there. I always wanted to be an artist mm-hmm. as a kid. I was always drawn and stuff. So, you know, I got to, I got to college and I was in school while I was kickboxing or training, I should say. I mean, I fought twice as a kickboxer, but like um, not nearly as serious as it should have been. Like you have these dreams, right? But you don't really like go after them like you yeah. should. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like somebody took me aside. He says, "Like, do you really want to do this?" So I was like, "You're smart. You can, 
be other things. Like, I said, but yeah, but, you know, I want to whoop ass, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want to be know, smart and powerful. Yeah, and he's yeah, just like, yeah. you can just go to school. You don't have to do this. Go to school and, and be something awesome, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, lawyer or whatever. And so I was like, all right, whatever, you know? So, like, I thought about it. And, and that was enough to, like, derail that dream. So, like, if, and if you've ever talked to a fighter, that's all they want to do. Yeah. There's, there's no, you know, moving them off the path. They're going to be fighters. It's, it's like a vocation, mm-hmm. right? Because fighters talk about fighting. Yeah. The way that, like, if you, if you talk to, like, somebody who's, like, clergy, yeah. you know, like, somebody who's, uh, uh, like, a, a pastor or a, or, or a priest or something, like, it's a, no, I knew this, it was a calling, you know? And that's the way that fighters talk about fighting. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I mean, I was, I was passionate about kickboxing and stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. oh. I, I watched the stuff, you know, I watched the fights and. I was in the fighters and stuff, but I mean, not like I should have been, you know? And so like, did I, did I pick up a skill? Sure. You know, I was decent enough to, to know who I shouldn't fight, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so like, but then, you know, uh, that I had to talk with that one dude and that was enough to like push me off the path. So I went to school and that's when I wanted to be a cop. I said, well, what would I be good with, with this martial arts skill set? So that I'll go, you know, study law, right? That was a quick flip because a couple things happened. One was my dad got roughed up by a cop in the little village neighborhood. So like, you know, it's a long story, but like he had nothing to do with anything. There was, you know, somebody had a car accident and he went out to like move his car. And when he went out to move his car, the cop grabbed him and he's like, why are you moving that car? And he's like, it's, I got to move it because we had a store and he was unloading. Mm-hmm. He says, I got to move it. And he's like, well, you're going to, you know, he like arrested him. He's like, why are you arresting me? Just ticket the vehicle. The vehicle is, is if it's parked in a, in a bad spot yeah, or something. That's not an arrestable offense. Yeah. So he arrested him, threw him, he roughed him up. And, uh, and I, when I say roughed up, I don't say he beat the shit out of him or anything with a billy club or anything. He like grabbed him. He threw him up against the, the car. He put on the cuffs a little hard and banged them up against the car a little bit and then threw them in the, in the car. That was the extent of the roughing up. And it might even be exaggerated in that sense because I didn't see it. Mm. This is all third hand, right? Or, you know, second hand. Second hand, I'm sorry. And so, like, yeah, so he gets thrown in the car and I was like, fuck being a cop, right? I just, I was a little angry about that. And so, like, I was actually enrolled in criminal justice, like, uh, courses at the school I was at at the time. And then I was like, screw that. It left a bad taste in my mouth. And I said, no, no, thank you. And from there, I went to art school. And that's why I started, you know, pursuing the, the, the other passion I had, which was art. That's still something I want to do. Like, I, these all, all these yeah. other interests, they're still there. Yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty evident from the podcast. Right. But, you know. But that's the red thread. Yeah. Right? It's the thread that goes through everything. Yeah. Yeah. It is like the, the fighting, the art, everything. Well, yeah, the art definitely was the thread that went through my yeah. whole life. And so uh, I still love fighting. I love seeing it in every aspect. You know, live movies, whatever. I think that's all that shit's dope. Right. I think when I can get the two dreams to converge when it's art and fighting, 
I think that's when I'm the happiest. Mm. So if I could do that, that'd be great. So wherever I can do that, that's what I try to do. But anyway, what, 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 was, what was the dream that you had, man? The list, like, ev- I wanted to be everything at some point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, never, yeah. I never wanted to be a police officer. Okay. Uh, I never wanted, I, I kind of wanted to go into the military. Mm. I really, really, really wanted to be a, like a naval aviator, like flying jets off of aircraft carriers. And I mean, like, what did I know about it? I was a kid, you know, but like, I was a plane nerd. You know, there's there's always that kid in your class who's the plane nerd, who knows everything about all the planes. Were you you a plane nerd? I was a plane nerd. I was a big plane nerd. And I wanted to, so I wanted to be a, a pilot, but like, I've never, I used to, it's a, it's a weird thing. I used to get in a lot of fights, uh-huh. like, as a, as a kid, but it's because I was bullied. Yeah. And, I was like, yeah. and it was the kind of thing where it was, like, you will push me so far, and then I will fight back, you yeah. know? And then, of course, since I was a big kid, I was the one who always got in trouble, right? But I would, I would get in fights, but, like, I'm not naturally competitive, mm-hmm. you know, or or combative i don't that's not the right word but it was like i don't relish the idea of being in combat you Mm. know it's not something that i've ever like i don't romanticize it even as a kid Mm. i was like i don't think that's for me and so that kind of that and um finally like at some point in high school uh you know they always have the like the career day or career days where like they invite a bunch of people to come over and take up take up like once a month or something they take over the lunchroom and it's like you have a little booth for this company or that oh, like company career day or something yeah like career day right and then and then there's always military recruiters always and so i was probably like 16 or 17 and still kind of had this idea in my head about you know i want to do that and I went to talk to the Navy recruiter and he was like, that's good. Uh, how's your eyesight? Because I, I wear glasses. Mm. And, he, and I was like, it's not horrible. And, he, and he's like, okay, right. Like, but without your glasses, how can you, like, is your prescri- like, how strong is your prescription? And I was like, well, it's this. He's like, no, you can't. Damn. You just can't. You, you, you know, you could come in but you're you're just you're gonna get rolled just for that alone mm. and i don't know if i don't know how true it was but like that's all i needed to be like okay well i'm not doing that you that's know? too bad right yeah that's um, really too bad and from what i've heard I, I think things have changed because like you can get lasik and stuff you can get lasik but like not back then uh-huh. but like contacts are better now and oh, yeah. and glasses i guess are are better now and so like I, I don't know that those are still like rules and regulations that you know your eyesight can only be so bad mm-hmm. but it would be you know I, i'm pretty sure it would still probably be a limiting factor i think it is because i mean uh how old is little miss sunshine is it about 10 years old now uh it probably was, yeah it was one of the points in the in the story one of the characters wanted to be a pilot uh uh-huh. And he found out that he had uh, he had color blindness. So yeah. then, yeah, he got uh, 
he realized his dream was over at that point. But I guess that colorblindness can, is not the same thing as well, stigmatism. I mean, color, colorblindness, I mean, that Myopic. I can see. Like, you you can't, you would absolutely, well, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But I did look into, like, okay, well, if I can't be like, and like one of the my Boy Scout leaders when I was in Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. he was a former Marine pilot. He used to fly Harrier jets for the Marines. And, like, all that stuff kind of, like, fed into that. Like, I had this really romanticized idea of being a pilot, mm. you know. But, like, add, it, add to it that, like, I don't have these romantic notions of, of combat. Mm. And also, opposite primo, the whole, like, discipline, order, control, mm. it does not work for me very well. <laughs> and it never has. Yeah. And so, like, I'm, I'm relatively disciplined in my own life, you mm-hmm. know. But it's like, I'm just like the boy, actually now that i think about it and this is probably why we end up butting heads as much as we did but like i am perfectly fine at like discipline and order on my own but when that's enforced upon me it's like oh no 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 <laughs> no that might be the best possible way of doing it, but because you're telling me that's how i have to do it i will not <laughs> Uh, I see. You know, you're, you're one of those. Uh, I gotta learn this shit for myself, guys. Uh, part, part. There, there have been a lot of things in my life <laughs> that would have been a lot easier if I'd have just been like, yeah, I should have just. I, okay, what you're telling me is right. You yeah. know, I, I don't know that I would say like I gotta learn this shit for myself. Uh-huh. Like, but um, I am very much like, don't just tell me how to do it. Mm-hmm. Tell me why. Yeah. Mm. And the military is not very good at that. No, they, they no. won't do that. You know, you it, do it it, it's very much like you just do it. Yeah. This is the way you do it. Yeah. And the more questions that you ask, the more friction you will get. Yeah. You know? Um, so I can see why, especially now that, uh, at least at in my day job, I'm in a position of, a, of leadership and stuff. I can see why people don't like the questions. Because you bring in someone who doesn't know the whole scope of whatever project or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they have to figure out why you're doing things a certain way. Right. Yeah. And then uh, it'll slow everybody down. It ruins meetings. Yep. It ruins it ruins discussions. It brings down the whole pace of everything, and it frustrates the shit out of everybody you're around yep. for you to be explained a certain thing. And when that happens, I actually blame myself because then I'm like, oh. You know, I brought this person into this meeting or this discussion or this project Mm -hmm. and I didn't fill him in and it's worth for him to know. It's my job to let him know. And I didn't give him or her the space or the area for him to ask these questions. Right. Instead, I brought him into a bigger group and now he's trying to catch up and there's no other place for him to catch up. And he doesn't know how to catch up other than to ask all those silly questions in the room. And frustrate the shit out of everybody else. I blame myself for that. And when that happens, it's a problem with leadership, right? But also, like, somebody told me, I can't remember who it was, but someone, one of my friends who was in the military, the first day they show up in the military, they're all lined up. And they're like, all right, you guys are thinking here, you're coming here to, like, save Iraq or whatever. No, get that idea out of your head. You guys are here for oil. And I was like, damn, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he spit that out right at the top, you know? And all the people there, at least from what I heard and understood, they were like, okay, you know, damn, like, that's what we're here for. 
that's what he that's what they did and so maybe this idea of the military and i'm not like i don't know i'm not a military guy myself but maybe it's not like how we think but you're right, right. there is a lot of like you know you got to keep your bed you got to you got to do this you got to do that mm-hmm. and you know there's rules and when there's too many rules it gets really restrictive and i i can see where some people do not do well with that shit mm. yeah you know and like i'm probably better about it now mm-hmm. right uh because especially like you you get to you spend some years in the real world working jobs yeah and like there's a way that shit has to get done yeah there are processes and sometimes it's just like i'm just going to follow the process because i i don't need to reinvent the wheel every fucking time yeah you know and and I'm, that's what it all comes down to is you don't we have a process here's the process mm-hmm. i'm sure there's a lot of that in the military yeah uh, we we have a job for you here's how you do it we have refined this process over a, a, a long time we know this process works stop asking questions yeah you know and, and maybe have more appreciation for that now at 44 yeah than i ever did as a kid you know but uh, and anyway, so that was probably the first thing that I was super serious about. Piloting? Was being a pilot. Yeah. But there, I mean, I, and, and like that could have maybe opened doors. Like I, I, we all grew up in the era of the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all wanted to be astronauts. Right. You that know? was one of the many dreams. Yeah. Yep. Right. And it was just like, well, if I do this, maybe it could turn into that at some point or or whatnot but and, and there were other things like i would not have been a very not just because of my eyesight like i would not have been a very good pilot i'm not particularly math oriented mm. and there's a lot of math yeah in, especially in being like a like a military like fighter pilot math is kind of everything you know right um it was one of those dreams that probably didn't really align real well with who i am mm. so i'm probably better off not having pursued it you know but there was other like there are always i've always had a real creative streak um i will and it's like part of why i do the kind of work i do now i was well from a very young age very young i wanted to be an author like novels science fiction novels oh wow Wow. you know and it's because you can still do that i could still do that yeah yeah but like the the first book I ever read and loved were the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I was going to say, I knew it. I yeah. knew it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I read those when I was pretty young still. Uh-huh. Like, I think it was in third grade uh-huh. when I read the first one. And I just fell in love with it. <laughs> like, I fell in love with, with the, like the Douglas Adams style and like the storytelling and all that. And, uh, like that's kind of what I working in marketing, like the, it's like the easy route, right? I don't have to come up with my own stories. I don't have to worry about if I put in all the effort and write a, write a novel, is anybody going to want to pick it up? Is it going to get published? You know, I don't have to worry about that. It's not fulfilling, (laughs) but but like that's probably how and why I ended up going down the road that I followed mm-hmm. is because I wanted to be a, a writer, 
a novelist. And like, truth be told, like, yeah, I can still do that. And I've tried a couple, I've, I've written a couple of novels. Uh, obviously none of them have been published, <laughs> uh, but I've written a lot of books. Like I've written history books that have been published uh -huh. and that's really easy for me. And like, so I'm kind of, there are, there are people like this, like me, you know, writing just comes easy to me and it always has. Like I can sit down on a Saturday afternoon and pound out 5,000 words without a problem, you know? <laughs> wow. Like, I'm, like seriously. I, wow, I, that's I, nuts. I mean, I'm sure people who listen to the podcast are sitting there like, yeah, that makes sense because this guy can't shut up. <laughs> you know? Right? No, dude. Like, um, that's, that's amazing that you can do that because I've been trying to write something and it's been yeah. difficult. But, but see, that's one of the things that I've learned is I'm, I'm a strong writer. Mm -hmm. My writing is pretty strong. Uh, the way that I use words is pretty good. My vocabulary is pretty deep. I'm not actually that creative though. Mm. And so like when it comes, like I can sit down and this is like for me in college, like writing history papers or, or term papers or whatever, it always came really easily because for me, the way my mind works is I already have it all. It's all history. It's already all there. I just have to put it in the right order, mm -hmm. you know? And so, like, if I'm telling a story, if I'm writing writing a history book or something, 5,000 words is really easy because, again, it, it's already there. I just have to take what happened and tell that story. When it comes to, like, writing my own stuff, writing novels, it's a struggle. Because yeah. when it comes down to it, I'm really not... I, I really think like I'm I'm not necessarily that creative. Mm. You should, you know. Did you ever hear the of uh, the story or the book, um, the art of the, the war of the, art? The war of art. Yeah, yeah, I read it. Yeah. What do you think about that? Does it apply? You think? Uh, or I read is... it. I probably read that five or six years ago, mm -hmm. so I don't remember it really clearly. It's just basically just. But I remember resistance. there's good stuff in there. Yeah. Like it's all about ultimately discipline and commitment. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and yeah, like that's true of anything, you know, that's true of being a garbage man or being a police officer. Oh, I was saying like the, the discipline and commitment, mm -hmm. like whatever you're doing, it's going to work out better. If you practice discipline and commitment, you're going to be better at being a garbage man. If you disciplined and. Like you were saying, like, it's going to be below zero today. I'm going to dress appropriately. That's like discipline and commitment. There are very few jobs out there, let's be honest, that are like truly fulfilling. You yeah. know, that's a way to make whatever you do fulfilling is just commit to it. Like, this is what I'm doing yeah. and I'm going to do it the right way. And you know what? Anything that you do, you get more out of when you do it that way. So, and I think that's really the whole point of that book the the war of art the war yeah, of art the war yeah. of art because it's a play i want to say the art of war but that's but that's, that's sun, totally Tzu. sun Tzu, exactly which i've read that book too uh, yeah but so i wanted to do that and i so i wanted to i've always wanted to be a writer and i have written and i still write um but i kind of took the easy route of instead of trying to fight the world and get the great american novel published I'm going to work in, in marketing and, and communications and 
I, I'm not saying that was a good choice right? yeah. because I don't necessarily love what I do. Mm-hmm. And so like when I was in college, I started off as a journalism major, you know, cause that's what you do when you want to write, you either be an English major and then your job prospects are, you can teach English and maybe get published. Yeah. Or you be a journalism major where at least there are jobs. Right. And it was almost right off the bat. Like I, I didn't last more than a semester as a journalism major because I just was like, I learning about the industry and, and how that writing works. It's like, I don't, at that point, you know, again, I was a much younger dude, had a very different perspective on life. It was like, so if I do this, I will literally spend the rest of my life telling other people's stories. And I I don't want to do, that's not the kind of writing that I want to do. But when I look back on it, well, what have I been doing for the last 20 years? Yeah. Right. I've been telling other people's stories. I mean, it's the same thing you're doing right now. You're telling stories right now. Yeah. Well, but I'm telling my story right now. Yeah, exactly. But like it's, I've been telling the story that the company wants me to tell, or, you know, I've been telling the story about this product Mm -hmm. or like the history books that I wrote. Like I'm telling the story of this thing that happened, Mm. you know, what, why the hell did I walk away from the journalism major so that I could go and do that? You know, you went away from telling your own stories to telling other people's stories. Right. Yeah. Because I didn't want to tell other people's stories, right? Yeah. Like it was you still end up telling stories. And, right. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to do that. I wanted to write novels. And then uh, there were other like writing I wanted to write for, I desperately wanted to write for Road and Track and mm. for Cycle World Magazine. Mm. Because one of my favorite, favorite writers, a guy named Peter Egan, wrote for both of those magazines. And he was a really good writer, like in his own right. Like you wouldn't expect it from like car magazine or a motorcycle magazine. You know, you don't necessarily expect journalistic greatness from that, you know, right. but this guy, it, look him up, read some of his stuff. It's just, it's, he's a good writer. And anyway, so like I, I, I desperately wanted to do that. And I don't know, like that just kind of fell into the same kind of pipe dream as being a professional novelist Mm -hmm. or whatever, like that's very, very few people get that opportunity. Millions, I'm sure thousands of people want those jobs and there are like eight of those jobs, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, but so that was like, those are like the two real serious, this is what I really thought I was going to be. But I mean, there was, like, obviously, I, around the same time as I decided I wanted to write, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And I did that. Yeah, and, you did. And I did that. And, like, I'm not going to say I was great at it because I don't think I was. I was competent, you know. But it was like we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Sometimes you have dreams. You chase that dream. You get it. And you find out you were wrong. Yeah. And mm. that was stand up for me. 
Yeah. Like this is wrong for me. And so, you know, I stopped doing that. Uh, Yeah, I had, I had, I wanted to do all the like artsy, like performing arts. Mm -hmm. I would have loved, honestly, I, I loved musicals. Oh, wow. I I mean, you've said this before, but yeah. Loved music. You would have liked to have performed in a musical. I would have loved to have been like a musical theater actor. Wow. Do you have any like musical training? None. Well, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I did. I, I, when I was very young, I learned how to play the piano uh-huh. and I learned how to play the clarinet. And, and lately I've been playing the guitar, but I have no voice training mm-hmm. and it got, I cannot read music. I used to be able to, mm. but I can't anymore. No, I, I have no vocal training whatsoever, mm. but I would have loved to have been a musical theater actor. That's I thought I, I, and it's one of those things that it was, it, we, we've all had them. So like, I want to be the president or I want to be the, I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. You know, when you're a little kid, you have these dreams and then before you're really old for most of us, obviously there are musical, there are actors out there. Yeah. There are singers, whatever that, like it wasn't, it didn't seem like a pipe dream to them, you know, but like it, 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 that very quickly, probably by the time I was like 14 or 15, that was very much like, that's just never going to happen. That's unrealistic, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's interesting. So, I mean, I kind of wanted to touch on this topic of like, with, within unreal- this, like the unrealistic like how, dreams, the pipe how dreams. many, how many of the things that you dreamed about being when you were a kid, did you write off well before you had any business writing them off, mm. you know? Cause like with the, with the writing, writing for the, the cycle mags and the, the car magazines, mm-hmm. I wrote that off around the same time that I was like, I'm, I'm dropping the journalism major because I don't want to do that kind of writing. Right. And that's kind of when I was like, well, I'm not going to bother chasing this, this road and track cycle world dream, Peter Egan, protege dream you know i'm not going to chase it (laughs) because but but it was but i feel like now especially now as as an adult and i'm kind of sort of getting some invitation into that world based on some writing that i've been doing and who knows if that's going to go anywhere it's it's one of those things like that was my dream why did i write it off so easily you know it's because you have a lot of people giving you as student, as uh, as Pressfield says in his book, resistance. You got people telling you you're not going to make it like that. That's not that's not going to work for you. Yeah. It's not going to yeah. happen because yeah. it didn't happen for me, or I don't even have a chance that you don't have. A, you have no idea how big a pipe dream that is. Yeah, you have a lot of people telling you you're not going to do that. My mom, God bless her, she meant well, but when I told her I wanted to be a filmmaker and I wanted to go to the you know make animation and stuff, she was like, you know. You might get the degree and you might finish college. You might, but you're not going to make anything out of it. Yeah. And the worst part about that is that, you know, uh, I didn't make it. Yeah. I didn't, didn't, but also, also like, at least for me, and this is not everybody. Other people have real issues trying to make their dreams happen. Right. They may not have the talent. They may not have the opportunity, you know, just didn't have the damn luck, you know? But a big portion of it is money too. Like, yeah, yeah. There, you have to be if you want to make, if if you don't, if you don't have the career you want, 
before you can get there, you're going to need the support to get yeah. to where you're going. Right. So like I got out of the school, I had all these loans and I'm, and I moved to Hollywood with no money. Yeah. And negative money. Yeah. Right. And so I moved to Hollywood trying to knock on the doors of studios and stuff. And I've told this story before. I've actually told it recently. I'm getting tired of telling it, but like, you know, I went and, and, and participated in this work function or this job fair function yeah. where I had the opportunity to like interview, I guess, quote unquote, or at least present my work to other studios. And I got turned down a shit ton. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that wasn't enough for me to come back home yet. So I stuck it out there. And what I ended up doing was working in an office as a clerk, typing on the typewriter, like all oh. these like legal forms. And that was rough, man, because you couldn't make any mistakes. Yeah. Right. No. So there's that part of it. Right. So I got stuck at a job that I didn't want. And the, now that's eating up your time and your bandwidth to chase the dream, to chase the dream. Meanwhile, I'm go, I'm going deeper and deeper and deeper in debt yeah. because I, I can't stay there. I don't have any support there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm supporting myself. And that hole is just getting deeper and deeper. By the time I came back home, six months, seven months later, I was so deep debt. And then yeah. California in general has a really rough policy, like on all their uh, utilities and stuff, about how you pay that shit. I left. My roommates didn't pay the bills. Uh, One of those bills was still in my name. Yeah. And I got stuck with that. And I got stuck with claims. And so I ended up having to pay for that shit. That fucked me up so bad. It was a hundred bucks. But but a hundred bucks when you're when you're in debt. May as well be a million. It may as well be a million because yeah. I have no way to make money. Yeah. I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I came home, I came home and didn't yeah. have a job and it was broke as shit. Yeah. And so like. And then by the time you have the hundred bucks to pay that off. Well, now it's 175. Yeah. Because of late fees or, yeah. or whatever. Penalties you, and yeah, right. exactly. And you got a predatory uh, uh, claims people coming after you. Yeah. Fucking trying to get money and making that bill larger. I learned a lot about how to deal with people throwing those claims at you, calling you all the time. And, th- and that during that process, it was a motherfucker. One of the things they would like doing was, when am I going to get that check? I yeah. was like, well, I'm putting in the check today. So what, one week? I'm like, I don't know, motherfucker. How long does it take for the yeah. U.S. mail to get it to you? However yeah. that long is, it's in the, it's in the, well, I need the date. So like I sent them a check. It got to them late, quote unquote. And then they still charge me even more on top of that. I'm like, you have the bill. Yeah. You, I've paid this bill. And you're still, so like I had to deal with them. Um, that's a long, that's another yeah. story. Just in general, like when you don't have that support. Right. Those mm-hmm. dreams get really unattainable. Yeah. How do you stick it out when you have no money to stick it out with? Part of the bigger conversation about like support is everything. It really is because mm-hmm. like it or not, opportunity is not doled out equally. You know? Yeah. Well, I, at least from my perspective, at least from where I sit now, if you want to be something in the arts, a filmmaker, a painter, etc., forget school. Don't bother with school. You can learn everything you need to be successful as an artist Yeah. off the internet. I have a feeling, and I don't have any experience with film school, mm-hmm. right? But I have a feeling it's a lot like getting an MBA where, and I've, I, I do not, transparency, I do not have an MBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have taken about half of 
the MBA courses to get there. And then I stopped for all sorts of reasons. But you don't necessarily learn anything that you don't already know. At least if you're like a seasoned professional, mm-hmm. you know, seasoned marketing person or a seasoned salesperson. It's the prestige of the piece of paper. They like give you, you don't, you don't exactly with an MBA in particular, it's the, the prestige of the piece of paper, but also it's a networking opportunity. Yes. So you're going through that course with other people and those other people might be the source of opportunity in the future. Mm-hmm. And you're creating that network. I have a feeling that film school is a lot like that. Absolutely. Right. You know, and that's, that's why some of these film schools are, what's the word? They're like an incubator yeah. for talent. Well, it's not, it's, it's not just because they're attracting people who have the resources and the support to be great. They're mm-hmm. attracting people who have talent, right? It's also you're when you bring all of that together, those people create opportunities for each other yeah. in the future. You make that network. And so that's probably the value of school more than learning how. So one of the most frustrating things about going to art school, at least the art school I went to, and at, at the time that I went, what was going on with art school was uh, I would go to the job office or the, like, I forgot what they call it, but like the student services office or whatever you go and you say, okay, well, you know, I'm about to graduate. Help me find a job. And they tell you, well, this is what your resume should look like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, what are the job leads? And she's like, well, we don't have any for what you're looking for. And yeah. then I'm sitting there and I'm listening to everybody who's coming in and they're saying the same shit to all the kids that are coming in. And so I was like, is this ethical? You guys are selling this dream right. that you can't really service. Like you, you don't got no job leads. Yeah. The most frustrating part about that was then when I left and I started working as a web developer, right? Cause it took me a few years to recover from the Hollywood incident and all that stuff. And I had a lot of help and thankfully I did network and I did have friends that ended up getting me my first web development job and became a web designer. And then my career took off from there. It was a shaky takeoff, but that was there. Yeah. That was what happened there for me. I had that opportunity because these people, like you're saying, that I'm in, in college. Once I had my job, I got phone calls and letters and stuff like that right. yeah. from the college asking what kind of job opportunities I have for potential stu- for, for potential graduates. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what was that for me? Where, yeah. You know, like you guys, you guys don't have any job opportunities for anyone, but yet here you are you know, reaching out to your, to your alumni, trying to get jobs for the school. Like, I appreciate that, but I don't have anything for animators right. or whatever. Although the job I had was an animation uh, web job. Yeah. And that's how I got into web development. So, like, that skill set that I acquired in college did save me. Yeah. But yeah. it was a rough find. Right. And I'm not animating now. Yeah. You know, I, I don't even do design work. Which yeah. is part of the part that is is least fulfilling of, of my job. There's other fulfilling pieces of the job that I have, mm-hmm. but but that itch is not being scratched. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I, I feel like we should move on to the the, the second piece 
of like, what do we still want to do? What we want to do now, what our dreams are now. Wow. So Primo, what do you, what do you want to be now? Or what do you hope can happen now? Well, you guys were talking about writing. Yeah. And the truth is, I really do like to write. Right. But like, like you said, I can't sit down and like pop 5,000 words. You know, it all, it all takes time. Yeah. You know, and like I've told you before, my daughter, she, she got, she, she's a proofreader, I think, for a, oh, uh, cool, a well-known uh, company. And I would love to like get one of my, my stories published, but I, I write like a chicken. So <laughs> you can't understand half of what I'm saying either way, you know, so. But I'm I'm trying, mm-hmm. and that's what I really would love for it to get to like blow up. You want to write? I want to write. Yeah, and I mean, well, there's ways to do that too. Like you could find a writing partner, right? Like somebody who's on the same wavelength as you, and like there's there's a lot of that. Like historically, I'm not thinking of any good examples of it, right? But you you see a lot of that in comedy in particular, especially older comedy. Mm-hmm. People who are their their writing partners. And like one of them is really, really good at putting the words down on paper. And the other one is really, really, really good at coming up with the ideas. Yeah. And, that's and like, me. if that's you, <laughs> if you're really, really, really good at coming up with the ideas, you find somebody who's really, really good and, and on the same wavelength. So well, like, I mean, there's examples of that in film. There's the Coen brothers, yeah. the, the Wachowskis, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. You could, you could totally do that. And yeah. like, if you got the ideas, the trick is finding the right person because I've, I've been in some writing partnerships too, where it's like, I'm that, I'm the words guy. Mm. That's what I do. Um, but you got to find somebody who really is on the same wavelength. So like they get your ideas mm-hmm. like comprehensively, really understand the idea and the push of the thrust of the story that you want to tell. Right. Otherwise it, it never works out. Well. But I mean, it, I'm sure you could, you know, like there are writers groups in Chicago and, and, and whatnot. Like yeah. you could totally do that. The, the other thing, the other thing you got to kind of like, and I bet you got some great stories in you because like I just on the podcast, when you're t- the way you talk about like the shows and the movies and the, the books, like the, the graphic novels and the mm-hmm. comics that you read. Like you love the story and the character so much. Oh, I do. I, I guarantee <laughs> you, you're the kind of guy who's got some great stories. In you. I oh, can, I got I one. Tell. I got like a trilogy that I want to like yeah. write. So, I mean, I don't want to give like too much details, but I, I started this in high school. Yeah. You know, and I really want to like finish it. And, but I need someone to bow, bounce off some ideas off yeah. of and help me finish it. You know, and Just, that's like you, one podcast I do. Re- uh, recommend is the Q and A with uh, Jeff Gold- uh, Goldsmith. I think his last name is. This is this guy. He interviews all these filmmakers, but from a writing perspective. So some of these filmmakers, they're mostly writers, mm-hmm. but like uh, sometimes they're writers and directors, mm-hmm. etc. So like, and one of the things he talks to him about is like, how do you get to your process? And a lot of it is what you're saying is discipline. You just got to set aside some time. That you're gonna say you're gonna sit here and you're gonna write words and it's okay if they suck. Yeah, you know, but you 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 got to get to the from the from the beginning to the end of this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 
and then you fill in the middle and then you figure it out yeah right and then like yeah and then you edit you you write yeah. the sucker out and then you edit 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 yeah edit, edit. you know like that's like make it look ugly you know yeah. oh just, yeah just write it fill it out from beginning to end and then once you get to the end man uh then you go back and you rewrite them off of over and over and over but like that's easier said than done, man. It, yeah. No, I, I mean, mean I, I tried. I mean, I, I'm not. No, a, it's, it's, I don't even have what you have, Dan. Editing is the hardest part mm. of the process. You think so? Well, because for me, I'm, I'm always way, I, I'm always putting way too much into it, mm-hmm. and like there's, it, and it hurts when you're editing something down and you're taking words out. Yeah. Because like you fall in love with it. You yeah. fall in love with what you've written. You know? It's your baby. But there's the there's the old, I think it's a Hemingway thing, but it might be somebody else. But that's old saying, if you heard it, kill your darlings. Yeah. Where it's it's kind of like if you're going through the editing process and it hurts you to pull something out, chances are that means you should pull it out. Wow. If you love it that much. It either needs to be pulled out or it needs to be, if, if, it, if it, you're so attached to it that you can't let it go, you probably either need to rework it or cut it. So there's, you're saying that that might be there because of ego and less, and less exactly. servicing the, the, so, the story exactly. itself. And mm. then, so like that, that editing is the hardest part for me because I think every word that I've written is gospel, right? Mm. Like I think everything that I've written <laughs> is the best thing I've ever written, <laughs> you know? And, and so editing becomes this process of, oh, but I love that so much. And mm-hmm. no, it's perfect the way it is. And it's ego. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I have nothing to back that up. Yeah. I like, I do have, like, I, I, I have plenty of bylines to my name. You know, I have plenty of published works, but like, I don't, I don't have anything to back up that kind of ego. Yeah. Of it's, it's right the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, in, in, just in terms of storytelling and the stuff about Tim, I mean, this is what we do with the podcast. Yeah. Like this is what makes the podcast really easy to make because we all get together and we tell stories, right? That's why this is so easy because yeah. we come here, we tell our stories. Well, you, you do virtually no editing. I, I <laughs> No, I do a little bit of editing, but you don't understand the kind of editing I do. Yeah. The editing that I do is like, Hims and haws. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, yeah. Let's scratch that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's not dox anybody. Yeah. No. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The, the doxing, like, yeah. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that it. That's the kind of editing that I do. But I don't. I make sure that when I edit, I am not changing what the person's saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not sticking words in this person's mouth. Yeah. That I'm. If if I have to like play like if the person stutters so much or uh, puts a lot of hims and haws in the middle of whatever mm-hmm. sentence that I am not altering the message. Yeah. I want to be ethical in how I edit and not make someone look like something they're not. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't want anybody getting in trouble. So I edit that kind of stuff out. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, sure. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, as far as the story, the stories are the people that I bring on the stories yeah. are the stories of us, right. The co-hosts right. and the hosts. You know, like we're sitting here, we're telling our stories and the podcast is our story. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So like, this is our, this is our journey. Right. Uh, I don't have to think about what 
other than preparing for the show, I don't have to think about what the end road is. I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, we're still following this journey, trying to see where this goes. This is the story of the podcast. It's us three and, you know, Lechuga and Fredo and everybody else who's on the podcast and all my guests. So, like, that is the story. All I have to do is show up, ask the questions, be prepared for the, for the, for the show and, and put that sucker together. It's so much easier sure. than trying to, like, come up with this fictional story. I just let these other people tell their stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's it, it's it's wild because one of the things that attracted me to filmmaking is storytelling. Yeah, and I never realized how much story I always told. I mean, I think it's just human nature, right? We we have the ability to communicate with our mouths, right? And it's it's gotten so complex that we can deliver these stories. Story like it 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 was one of these things that we used to like warn each other about stuff and now it's just like this story these this more complex thing that more metamorphosed that changed into this can't even <laughs> talk anymore i got too much media in the stomach <laughs> but it was just one of those things that just like changed into this thing transformed into this thing where it's like now we can manipulate what we're saying and, and tell these stories yeah and uh and that's what the podcast is for us like that that itch that i needed that I needed to yeah. scratch with filmmaking, I don't have to do that. I do it with the podcast. You're itching, yeah, that itch is being scratched with the podcast and all the things yeah. I do for the podcast. Right. There's there's the websites. There's the, the t-shirts. Hey, there's the there's there's the editing. There's the yeah. filmmaking because I mean there's videos and then there's the social media and all that. All that stuff takes all the skills I've acquired over the years mm-hmm. to to make this happen, and it scratches that itch, mm-hmm. right? Is it, are we blowing up like I wish it would? Hmm. You know, not exactly, but, you know, it's, it's. But you're doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it for us. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's, it's, like I said, it scratches that creative itch. Right. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to to interrupt. You were, you were talking about, you want to, you want to tell stories, right? So you want to. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to write my story. Mm -hmm. A story I made up in high school and I want to like really, really finish it. Yeah, whether or not it gets published or not, or anyone even takes an interest, as long as I know I finished it, is yeah. what matters. That's a big deal. That's you know? a big yeah. It's 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 something that I I want to say I really want to do. You know, it's it's it's, it's my story. So what's Nobody, keeping you from writing that story now? Nothing, nothing. I'm doing it now. Okay. You see, the problem is, is that I'm. Sometimes I get, you know, it's it's your work. You know, and sometimes you're not happy with what yeah. you wrote down. So yeah. you want to go back, change things. And that's basically my, yeah. my flaw. So you're going back right. and looping I in keep, the beginning. I go back to where, right. okay, I didn't like how this sounded. I didn't like how this looks. I don't like this situation I put him in. Mm. Let me let me change that. I do I do that a lot. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot of things that people tell me. I've, I've spoken to other people who are writers. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, my daughter's one of them. She, she's done it a billion times mm-hmm. she's written already like i think three stories three books nice and she's trying to get published yeah and that's the thing and she told me it's the same thing and i said i can't even get past this point because i don't even like it yeah i don't like it and she's like dad you you're you're gonna go through that a lot yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be that you're okay you understand what you want to write you understand what the situation is but you're not happy the way it sounds yeah. or how it's written so one thing you find out as an artist is you get to the point and this part of this is is working as a professional web designer you know 
uh, throughout my career here and there. And you get to the point where it's like, okay, um, I can sit here, you know, I can sit here and continue to, you know, fiddle with this, make it perfect. How much time am I wasting? Yeah. Well, number one, right? True. Uh, That's one piece of it. The other part of it is like, is it good enough? Can you get this out the door and nobody's going to be like, what the fuck did you just do? Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a professional designer here and there, there's this like, okay, this is good, man. Like you're making it. You see all the imperfections. Nobody else does. Right. You know? So if it's, if it's good enough, get, get it out the fucking door. More, more to the point too is like you have this story in your head. And you said it's like a trilogy. Right. So you have a, a reasonable, in in your head, you know where it begins and where it ends. Oh, yeah. And you're filling in all the middle is what you're, and that's where you're getting stuck. Right. Maybe take the step of, instead of trying to write it, just write it through, take the step of building it out. Mm. So you know what the beginning is. You know what the end is. Right decide just decide here's how here here are the eight steps if like if it follows that traditional hero's journey mm-hmm. you know that arc yeah here are the eight steps here's what happens here are the big things that happen these are the big moments that have to happen and they don't even have to be specific it's just get the idea of down of this is this is the kind of thing that has to happen such something happens where the character realizes X. You don't even have to have the thing that happened. You just know at this point, this has to happen. So like you just outline what are those big steps that have to occur. And then once you've kind of got that structure and that discipline around the whole thing, then the the stuff that you have to fill in in between those steps, it feels easier. It gets easier. And so, like, you're getting stuck because, in, to me, and every, I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. I'm saying this is the way that I would do it. Right. You know, you're getting stuck on, you're just trying to write the whole thing through is okay. what you're trying to do. Right. And you're getting stuck because it's like you don't necessarily like what you've got. Like, okay. I want it to be perfect. You want it to be perfect. Well, step backwards from that. Step, take, take a few steps back and just instead of just writing the whole story all the way through, decide first, this needs to happen, then this, then this, then this, then this. And once you've mapped out those big things that need to happen, the rest of it, it just sort of makes a little, you, you can compartmentalize. You can say, I'm just focusing on this portion right now. I'm getting from step A, you've got step A and you've got step Z. You already know what those are. I'm taking it from step A to step B. I'm not worrying about the rest of it. I just need to get from here to here. And then that that kind of, for me, that's stress. For me, trying to think out, like, because I do the same thing. Like, this is why I say, like, I don't know that I'm necessarily all that creative. I get hung up in exactly when I try to come up with my own stories and write my own novels. I get hung up in exactly the same way that you're talking about. Where, where it's just like, I don't feel good about the way that this thing came together and I just get stuck and I can't move on even though I know 
already where it has to go. If you, if you just kind of map out the big steps, you won't get so hung up on it because all you're, you're, you're erasing the rest of it from your mind for temporarily. I just need to get from here to here. How do I do this really well? And you know, maybe that could work for you. If, if what I'm saying makes sense, I could does make sense. It. No, no, you're 100% right. And those, some of the recommendations that I've heard from, from some of the writers that I've listened to on some podcasts and stuff is like, there's a couple ways to tackle it. That's number one. And that's probably the best, especially for, for, for beginning writers or even seasoned writers. But like uh, the other way, which is crazy to me is like, yeah, just sit there and write the story from beginning to end yeah. With no, with no like outline. And I'm like, that doesn't and work for me. That's like my gut instinct. Yeah. And it's because I'm used to doing well, you're, historical writing. Yeah. I'm used to doing bite-sized writing for marketing. You mm-hmm. know, I'm used to doing stuff that you can write that way because, you know, it's simple. You're getting dictated the plot points. Plus like you, you just need to fill it in. You have experience as a, as a, as a writer, right? Yeah. So if you're going to pull that off, you have the skill set to pull it off and the experience. Mm-hmm. Like we don't like I'm writing the story. I'm working on the outline. It's taken me a long fucking time. One is time. Right. Yeah. But the other, the other part is like, I sat down and I was just like, okay, what do I do next? Yeah. And that's, and that's tough. But like, at least with the outline, the one thing you can do with an outline is you can bounce around in the story and fill yeah. those plot points out. Right. So that you don't so, have to uh, like actually know what's going to happen yeah. from it's, this from point A to point B. You can skip that and go from D to E. All it yeah. or, all yeah. it is is compartmentalizing. Yeah. Like you know where this needs to to go. And so like it it just it it comes down to kind of that discipline and commitment idea. Right. Yeah. It reduces your own resistance, reduces your resistance into, you know, how am I going to make sure this ties into what happens all the way at the end? No, yeah. you're not worrying about that right now. Yeah. Right. You know, it, and uh, it, it just makes it. There's an old saying, like 90 percent of success is the plan. So come up with a plan. Come up with a plan. Right. Get ready to uh, to change that plan as it goes along. Yeah. But come up with the, You can change it. That's a beautiful thing. It's your own story. You can change it whenever you want. Mm-hmm. You know? There's there's two books I want to recommend. One is Story by Robert McKee. It's a screenwriting book. He goes through how to write a screenplay and what works, what doesn't, and and part of The Hero's Journey, which is another book that I want to like uh, talk about. is The Hero's Journey by Campbell. I can't remember his first name. But like the hero's journey is just about every the, movie ever. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it talks about how story works and he talks about the story arcs and the three act structure, and how that works and, uh, and what the, the hero's story is. Once, once you realize what makes up a story and what are the pieces of the story, then you can play with that structure. You know, you can, you can go ahead and be a Quentin Tarantino and play with time and whatnot. But the structure, the structure is there. You got to know what the structure is before you can start fucking with it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before you start breaking but the rules, you got to know what the rules are. Yeah. Let's, let's stop. Let's stop telling Primo what to do. Yeah. I'm sorry, Primo. <laughs> we're no. just sitting here talking but like we know what we're doing. I, I, yeah. I think all we're, we're getting at is 
you could totally do it. Oh yeah. You know, and you're, it sounds like you already are doing it. Yeah. And, uh, and I would love to see it. Just believe <laughs> when, in the process. When, well, when, I plan, I, I, I want to finish, at least finish book one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, finish that and then start on book two. If it, if it, I mean, if it gets published, Hey, mm-hmm. book two is on its way, book mm-hmm. three. And that's it. That's always been my big resistance for me. And I'm finally, it, I, I'm way too old to be coming to this, right? But <laughs> finally getting to that point of like, no, I'm just going to do it because I want to do it. Yeah. But my big resistance has always been, I'm not going to funnel two or three years of my life into writing a novel on the hopes, the one in a million chance that somebody's going to pick it up. Yeah. Or I'm not going to burn eight months of my life writing a screenplay Mm. and like that's a stupid stupid way to go about it because if there's anything that i've learned having spent the last 20 some years writing other people's stories if there's anything that i've learned if you're not doing it for you if you're not doing it because you're getting fulfillment out of it it's going to be crap Mm -hmm. It's not going to be good. And so like first, like that's got to be where your motivation comes from. And that's what I'm doing right now, because that's where I want to go. I still want I just I want to write. So but like I want to write for me. And that's what I'm doing right now. And right as of right now, I'm getting nothing other than the fulfillment piece out of it. But at least I'm getting the fulfillment piece out of it, whereas I've spent. I'm 44, so I've I've spent the last 26 years chasing the paycheck mm-hmm. and getting almost no fulfillment. Well, that's basically what we're and all like, doing now. That we're right. all doing. We're all doing. And that. it's yeah. like I've got the paycheck, and now now I'm at a point where it's like I've got the paycheck, and guess what? That's not enough. Yeah, no. you know. Uh, so one of one of the funniest memes that I saw, I, I shouldn't say funniest, but it was one of those memes that just like, it stung when I saw it. I thought it was funny, but it stung. It's just like, uh, you go to school to get a job you don't want so that you can eventually fund the dream that you wish you had. Yeah. Mm. You know? And by the time you can fund the dream, you're almost dead. It's, it's, <laughs> you're halfway done with your life, yeah. you know? Mm. And like, I mean, that's where we're kind of where, at least where I'm at right yeah, now, you know, middle-aged. I mean, and I still haven't fucking yeah. fulfilled and the dream. Like, I know? think yeah. about it, like, I'm writing about motorcycles, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things I would like to write about. I would love to just write about traveling. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's kind of the dream that I'm chasing right now, mm-hmm. is getting to a point, getting enough of these things published that... I'm writing from a standpoint of self-fulfillment, mm-hmm. you know, getting enough of these things published that I can fund that, that I can go and be like, yeah, I know a million people have already written books about it, but I'm going to go and I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail mm-hmm. and I'm going to write about it and people are going to want to read it because it's my take. You know, that's the ultimate goal. That's where I'd like to get. Well, you've gotten some notice for the podcast. I mean, for your blog, right? Yeah. Like the got, blog has so, gotten some notice for you. So and, that's, that's starting to, to do something, mm-hmm. you know, 
And, and that, again, that comes from a, I didn't even start doing that from a standpoint of, I wanted anything out of it. I started doing that just from, I want to write about things that I want to write about with nobody else telling me what they need to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I started doing that. That's why I started doing that blog. And for the first time in a long, long time, really, I felt fulfilled by the writing that I was doing. And it was like, how, how did I ever get so far away from this? Yeah. You know, you were like, I should have been doing this all along. This is how I should have been doing Like I should not have been pursuing this from that standpoint of resistance, that standpoint of why would I funnel the effort into that? If it's a pipe dream, mm-hmm. but the easy route sucks. Yeah. You know, I don't, the there, easy there route is, is not, not that easy. There is not a ton. There are things over the last 20 years that I've been working in marketing. There are things that I have done, projects that I've worked on, things that I've created that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. Not a ton. Yeah. Mm. You know, not an overwhelming mountain of work product that I would hold up and say, I am, this is my legacy. Yeah. No. I, the past eight months, no, not even eight months, six months that I've been doing that blog. And I've literally just been writing the things that I want to write about. It's like, I don't even care how many people are visiting it and reading it. I read them and I'm like, this is good. Mm -hmm. This is, I'm proud of this this. is honest. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I wanted to hit a couple of things. One is, uh, Bob Cat Goldwaite's, uh, what is it, strategy, I guess you want to say, yeah. of how it comes to writing scripts. Because he's, he's I, I don't know if you remember Bob Cat Goldwaite, but he was in Police Academy. Yeah. He was this crazy yeah. comic, right? Yeah. So this guy, he does movies now. And right? his movies are mostly pretty good. They're not bad. They're actually they're, pretty good. Like uh, There are some of them that are downright great. There yeah. are some of them that are almost unwatchable. What is it, Father of the Year? Father of the Year is a really, if you haven't seen it, that's a good movie. It's it's a crazy movie. Pretty hard hitting. Yeah. Yeah. But like. uh, And there's uh, uh, God Bless America. I didn't see that one. You should see that one. There's the, what is it? There's one called something, The Clown. Shakes the Clown. Shakes the Clown. You can skip. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Shakes the Clown, you can skip. Well, here's here's two things that he does with, with his writing process. It's like, first of all, he picks the person that he is writing for. So one of those, sometimes one of those people that he writes for is himself or his wife or his kid or whoever, but he picks the person who he's going to write for and he writes for that person. Puts in his head like, okay, I know what this person likes. That's what I'm writing for. If nobody else likes it, I don't give a fuck, right? That's one piece of it. The other piece is he goes to the shittiest, stinkiest motel and he writes and he doesn't leave that place until he's done with the script. He might like rewrite and stuff outside of that, but he goes in there and he gets that first draft and he says he hates it. And he, he tries to get out of there as fast as he can. So he's motivated to get it done. Yeah. By by putting himself in a situation. Putting himself in adversity. Yeah. And his key to, his key to get out is getting the first draft. Getting the first draft. And that's, that's an important thing because I, again, I struggle with the first draft usually. Yeah. If I'm not writing history, if I'm trying to write my own thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll struggle with the first draft 
and I'll get hung up here and there because I lose sight of the fact that it's a first draft. <laughs> if your first draft isn't shitty, you've done something wrong. You you spent way too much getting you that first draft. Way too much getting that first draft out. That first draft is gonna need eight or nine, ten, twenty passes. Passes. Yeah. You're gonna need to tear it apart and put it back together. But you have to have that, you have to get that first draft. And I get hung up because of like like I get hung up with, but I want it to be polished. Yeah. Mm. No, you want it to be a turd. <laughs> but you want it to be a complete turd. You want to be done, exactly. It needs to be a whole turd, and then you can go back and polish <laughs> it. Then it becomes a polished turn. And then it becomes, <laughs> yeah. Maybe right? it becomes a diamond you polish enough, right? right. But, well, turd is but still a turd. You need, because the first draft, realistically, the first draft shouldn't be much more than your outline. Yeah. Okay. Right? You take, if, you, if you're trying to find, follow like a classical approach, you've done the outline. So you plot it out. I need these 16 things to happen or eight things. Yeah. You know, what is the the hero's journey has nine points on it? The it's hero's a, journey, the rise, is, the climb, it's, the, the it's, re-rise. The hero's yeah. journey has it, there are multiple different versions of it. Yeah, but basically, it's like you take a clock and you divide it into four sections, and each section has three or four points mm-hmm. that have to happen. Yeah, and right. then that I like to think of it in the frame of a clock because what happens over here in in the first section mirrors what's going on over here in the opposite section. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're, they're the, the things that happen have to mirror each other in some way. Like it's a, it's a reflection of what happened before, you yeah. know, because that is what led to here. Any, anyway, yeah. I'm getting philosophical, yeah. but like the, so, um, but like you start out with that and then your first draft is literally you're just filling in the gaps between those points along the hero's journey and it should be short and it should be unpolished and it should leave you feeling like I have so much more work to do. Yeah. But it's done. You know, it's now you just need to go back and keep filling in, you know, or taking out, but like that first draft, it shouldn't, it, it should tell a complete story. But if you're aiming for completion, like real completion, like this should take nothing more than proofreading, you have made a horrible mistake. Yeah. And I, that's my big battle. Yeah. I think that's everybody's big battle. And that was the other point I was going to make. It's just like your first draft is going to be shit. Yeah. Mm. Your first pa- you just get that fucker done, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's all you like, as easy as that is, it's very difficult to get that first fucking pass done, that first draft. Yeah. It, it's it's hard. No, and, it's true. and that's why not everybody's doing it, right? If you just get that sucker done, get it to the end, and then you sit there and you do your passes, you're gonna have something, right? Yeah. But you, just, yeah, it's just you just gotta sit down and put pen to paper. True. But anyway. So I know we hit on it a little bit, but is that what you want to do now? You want to write, um, Dan? Yeah, I want to. If 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 you wanted to pin me down, like in this minute right now, what's my goal? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? 
I want to get on my motorcycle and ride into a different city every single day mm. and write about that. And get paid for it. And somehow make money from doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not focusing on the make money from doing it part because that'll ruin it. Yeah. Right. But that's, I want that. I want to be able to do that. Yeah. And whether that means winning the lottery so they have a gigantic stash of cash. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to worry about making money. So be it. But that's what I would want to do because that would combine like the, the, I love to write. I love to ride motorcycles. I love to travel. I want to, I want to write about travel. I want to write about a lot of things. I could write about everything that I want to write about in that context. Yeah. So that's, that that's sounds kind of awesome, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, isn't that awesome? Like it's, it's like, right, right. And right. Yeah. Right. And right. Yeah. It would be great. That's a nice title for something. Uh, pat pending, pat pending. I want money. Pat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, if I were, you know, in terms of what I want now, mm. the dream is I want to make enough where I don't have to worry about like paying the bills. I'm not, I don't want, I don't need to be rich. No, I don't. I, I think all of us think the same. We don't need to be stinking rich. We just need to be able to pay the bills. I want to be well off. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's the, the, the term I always think about is independently wealthy. Independent and wealthy. I want to be independently wealthy. I, I don't need to be running around town in a McLaren, you know, I don't need a private jet. Yeah. I want to have a big nugget of cash. Yeah. That is enough for me to live off of or invest and live off of interest or whatever mm. and maintain, just be able to maintain a lifestyle from that. Mm. So I don't need to be filthy, stinking rich. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it would be nice. I'm not saying I don't, I would turn it down. Yeah. yeah. I think I think if if I got super rich, I think I get super lazy. I need I need a little. I wouldn't. I need a little resistance because I feel like if like for me, it's like everyone's asked me, "Oh, what would you do if you won the lottery?" I was like, "Dude, I would be unhappy." They go, "Why?" And I said, "Honestly, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do with myself." Yeah, would you be bored? See, I'd be bored. I I have I I wouldn't. I would find things to do. <laughs> and I, I guarantee you, I would find things to do. I'd well, start yeah. my own company mm -hmm. or something. There you go, make an investment you know, or something. I would, I would figure out ways to fill my time. Yeah, I would probably like. Uh, so, like the, the dreams I have is, yeah, that part of it, whatever, however it gets done, lottery, uh, something, some kind of job that I that I find fulfilling. That job that makes. I would definitely it. stop working for somebody else. Exactly. That's absolutely that's, that's, that's the truth yeah yeah like I, I wouldn't work for if i could if i could manage that piece of it that oh, would yeah. be a big piece of it if i won the lottery i was just talking about this with one of my coworkers the other day yeah. as he was yeah he was talking about how his wife is the kind of person who if they won the lottery nothing would change yeah they would bank that money and she loves what she does so much she just continue going to work and mm -hmm. living exactly the same life good for her man i uh, but if I won the lottery, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't even make it to turning the lottery ticket in. You'd <laughs> flip everybody off at the work at the would, job site. No, I'm not saying I would burn my bridges, but it, but it would be like, hey, uh, I'm done. Won't see you next Tuesday. 
uh, or Wednesday or ever again. Yeah. Thank you so much for all the opportunities. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, like it would, and, and it's not about like, I don't hate those people. Mm-hmm. I, I have no animosity. Mm-hmm. It would just be, I know that I do this because I have to, and now I don't have to. So there's no inspiration for you to stay there. Right. Yeah. 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 You start missing meetings and not yeah. showing up and say, right. fuck this. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it would just be, uh, I, I don't need to do this anymore, so I'm not going to. I would probably still work for maybe a year or two if I were to win the I lottery. Would, I would probably, I'd end up taking like, yeah, I, I would guess like a year or two just fucking around. I would, you know, like I would travel yeah. a lot. I would travel around the world and then I would be bored. I think, I think the optimal situation for me, the, what, what I want for myself. And I think what would work for me is something like the podcast blows up, right? Or maybe something that I wrote blows up and that becomes my career. But it's unlikely. Let's just put that out there. I know it's, I know it's a dream. That's why we're calling it dreams. Right. Um, but if these things were to get to the point where I am self-sufficient and I don't need a job, I would, and all I have to do is do like the podcast or the writing or whatever it is. I'll concentrate on those things, get my black belt and just be with my kids and watch my kids grow. You know? And I think that's, that's all I would want. Like money. We all know like money is never going to buy you happiness, Mm -hmm. right? No, but it will make life easier. It would make life easier, but you know, I would, I would rather be, I'd rather keep doing something that, that is needed done that needs doing. I mean, and, uh, so that I stay busy, but also something that doesn't take all my time. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if it does, it's something I love. Yeah. Right. And, and that's what I think the promise of like winning the lottery for me mm-hmm. would be. Now I have the support that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. I have all of the support I could ever have wanted. Mm-hmm. And so now I can erase almost all of the anxiety. There's still some things that are going to cause me anxiety, mm-hmm. but like, well, I don't have to worry about a paycheck. I don't have to worry about insurance because now I have enough money to buy whatever insurance I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, it's going to remove all that day-to-day anxiety of managing your own life. And I would love to find out what that guy looks like. I would love to find out what that version of me looks like where you pull away all the, all that anxiety. What am I capable of Mm -hmm. without the resistance that comes from the anxiety? Mm. I I think I still need some of that anxiety because then I, I, if I had all the money that I needed, I'll tell you what, if I was rich, rich, if rich, you win the lottery. <laughs> I give you I'm going to make you a deal. No, no. <laughs> I'm going to make you a deal. You win the lottery. And you just pay me a handsome salary <laughs> on an annual basis. And my whole job will be every once in a while, call you up and say, hey, so, you know, cancer's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Call you up and say, oh, you know, you hear about this guy, your age is dropped dead of a heart attack. Sudden out of nowhere. It can happen. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can be planting those little seeds of anxiety, of anxiety <laughs> for you. Yeah. 
to I, keep you motivated. I, I don't know if those anxiety seeds that you're talking about would actually motivate me. No, other you, than just what you straight. need to motivate me is like, hey, man, the podcast took a tank down. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't see like I, I need I do need a little like motivation. And, and if, if, if I had like all the money I needed, like if I was stinking rich, I would be one of those lazy fucking people. I would probably still do jujitsu, but that'd be all I would do. I wouldn't. I yeah. wouldn't find it necessary to do anything this is, else. So this is interesting because one of those memes popped up that was like, it's like they, they, they pop up all the time, mm. and it popped up with another group of friends of mine. Uh, which would you rather have: the ability to go back to when you were six years old with all of the knowledge and experience that you have now? Uh-huh. You go back to when and relive your life from when you were six years old, but you know all of the things that you know now, or would you rather have $10 million cash tax-free just right now? 10 million. And, and like my friends were hemming and hawing over this and like, Oh man, I, there are so many things that if I, I would totally go back and cause there are so many things that I would change and, and uh, you know, I could, make a lot more than $10 million based on what I know. Nah. Here's the thing. I would take the 10 million in a heartbeat. You know why? Because I'm stupid and I would make all the same mistakes yeah. over again. Yeah. And what? I'm six years old. I'm supposed to go and tell my dad, Hey, take my birthday money and give it to me in Apple stock instead. No, that's not, that's not how the world works. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I, yeah, I have regrets, but I wouldn't change anything. I would still, I'm, I'm happy with the life that I've lived. I mean, there are many things that, I, that have been unfulfilled for me, but if I had $10 million right now and $10 million, like that's that independently wealthy area. Like, no, you're not stinking unbelievably rich, but you have enough money that you don't have to worry. As long as you're not incredibly stupid, yeah. you have enough money that, that, for the rest of my life, I could continue living exactly as I'm living now and be perfectly happy. Exactly. And I could take that $10 million and I could start investing it and hire somebody who's smarter than me to invest it and turn it into more money. But then I could just have the freedom to go out and do the things that I feel unfulfilled about, you know? Oh, fuck that. I'm not going back to that. I'm not especially knowing what I know and, and maintaining all of the experiences and having to go back and do all that shit again. No, yeah, not doing that's that. A, there's a good chance you might make more new mistakes. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're doing that whole butterfly effect thing. Right. Yeah. That Ashton Kutcher movie. You ever watch that? Yeah. 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 And every time he went back, he just made shit he worse. He made shit worse. Yeah. yeah. So like, I'm in the same boat. I don't want to go back to fucking living, no. living that whole life all over again. No, hell, with ten million dollars, I can relive it again in the present. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. The funny thing about ten million dollars is, you're right. If you don't know what you're doing, those ten million dollars are gone. True. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, you, the best. Like, people have asked me the same thing. What would you do with that money? Well, first of all, it's a lot of money. Let's let's say, I've always came up with a figure like sixty-eight. Million. That's all I want. Yeah. Why sixty-eight? Well, well, fifty would be for me. <laughs> okay, I ain't gonna lie. That's what I'm gonna use to live off of. Mm-hmm. The eight, the 
the 18 is just for my family, so leave me alone. Yeah, they won't leave you alone. <laughs> you know, and I, but well, I, 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 I made some of those like, okay, my my mom first of all, and my daughter, they're the ones who are going to get like three million a piece. Yeah, everybody else gets two million. Okay, yeah. and each kid gets a hundred grand. They can't touch that money till they because they're supposed till they're 21 or go to school. That's their money to pay for school. So you don't have to dip into the million. Yeah. Okay. And they're like, why, why give them that? Hey, a hundred thousand dollars will pay up any education you could possibly need. But yeah, you don't understand, maybe. man. But like you're satisfied with that money. Yeah. And you're trying to help these people who, who are incapable of having that money. This too. is this is that gets a trap. That yeah. I, it's a trap because you want to help people, but the more that you try to help people, mm-hmm. damn straight, the more trouble you end up causing. You know, I, I, I hate. I've had I, like, that. I, I I've tend had to be a pretty philanthropic guy, but like, especially like when you try to help people who have not asked you for help. Mm-hmm. Boy, do you get yourself in trouble? Well, but you also get in, you get in trouble for not helping them. Well, but that, that's going to happen. But, but yeah. fuck that. at least you, you'll you still have you your money, right? Oh yeah. You don't you don't help them. They think you're an asshole. That's a lot better than trying to help them and them thinking you're an asshole for trying to help them and then being broke. Yeah, because you gave them all your money. Oh, I don't plan to give them. All no, but that. you don't understand. That Are you happen. coming into sixty-eight million dollars anytime soon? <laughs> no, because can I get on that list? I don't know. It might get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, so I think we, we we chatted quite a while now. It looks yeah. like almost we're coming up on a couple hours now. So let's uh, let's uh, put this you know motherfucker to bed. So. Uh, so what have we learned from this? Uh, we we, we most can be a porn star. <laughs> Get on that pole, Maybe. Primo. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll write the Great American Porn Story. This is oh, I mean, there's there's well, there's a few few of those what movies visuals, out there. You know, visuals. <laughs> Great right. American Porn Graphic Novel. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Let's on that note. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. This is our, I am Edgar. Otra vez, your host with my co-host, Cousin Primo, and not my cousin Dan. And before we go, let me just say, Primo. Oh, there he goes. Ooh. People are trying to steal that shit, by hey, the way. Uh, no, I don't want to go steal my shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. All we'll right, catch guys. you next time. Later, guys. The music you're listening to is titled Lo Que Soñaba by Looney. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. And if you head on over to Epidemic Sound, make sure you use my referral link in the description. Also, I want to bring the light that we are now partners with Titan Fitness. If you're looking to build your own home gym, make sure you check out Titan Fitness. And when you do, click on my referral link in the description. So yeah, we went in deep on that one. And you know, dreams change. Dreams don't mean that you have to keep that dream that you made up when you were seven. Things change. Like one day... You want to be an engineer, a doctor, a superhero. And then one day you'll wake up and you're like, wow, that is not what I want to do. And that happens. You know, the older you get, the wiser you get. And you figure out, hey, those careers don't always work out. You find new dreams. So anyway, make sure you give us a follow on Instagram. You can find me there under the name Edgar Otraves, or you can find the show under the name The Flow Roll. And don't forget to follow my co-host, Cousin Primo, under the name The underscore Real underscore Cousin Primo. And don't forget to follow my good friend, not my cousin Dan, under the name 
Dantastic Sizzler. Don't worry, I have all those links in the description. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, and share wherever you get your podcasts at and press all the buttons that make the podcast gods happy. Thank you so much for listening. This is Edgar Otra vez. We will catch you next time. Behave yourselves. Laters. Laters.